The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, our old friend James Fox has another film out. It's The Moment of Contact. And it's about the strange events in 1996 in Virginia, Brazil. And longtime listeners of the Paracast will know that we've had several interviews with A.J. Gavard, one of the top Brazilian UFO researchers on the topic. But I'm going to ask you, James, what led you to pick this one for the follow-up to the phenomenon? Well, how far back do you want me to go? You know what? This is a long show. You could take whatever time you need. Okay. So when I was producing Out of the Blue back in the late 90s, I had a co-producer, two co-producers. One was, was Boris Zuboff. The other one was Tim Coleman. And I'll remind your audience, we were working on a documentary about UFOs, the UFO phenomenon, the UAP phenomenon, however you want to title it. And Tim said, you know, we've got to look into this UFO, alleged UFO crash. It happened just a few years earlier, 1996, in Virginia, Brazil, where apparently these creatures or beings or ETs or whatever you want to call them survived and were walking through the town. I dismissed it so quickly, about as quickly as the snap of a finger, Tim was rather insulted by the whole thing, but I just, there's no way that an event like that could happen and everyone not know about it. So I'm not going to waste one second on this case. And I didn't. Fast forward probably from probably 99 to 2011, I was traveling to Brazil on a completely unrelated incident. In fact, I was going to appear at a conference in a place called Peruíbe, which is south of Sao Paulo on the coast. I got a phone call from a gentleman, Jeff Sagansky, who's been working quietly behind the scenes, helping me get distribution for some of the films that I'd done. Never wanted credit, never wanted any commission, just supported me quietly and discreetly. He said, oh, you're going to, and he was a very, very high up on the entertainment, you know, the food chain in the entertainment industry. And he said, oh, you're going to Brazil, James, you got to look into Virginia. And I thought, oh God, not this one again. And I said, sure, Jeff, I'll look into it. And I hung the phone up with absolutely no intentions of spending any time at all looking into this case. But when I arrived in Brazil at this conference, I just happened to stumble upon some witnesses and people that had investigated the case. You could say that piqued my interest. I then went back several times to Brazil just to see if there was something more to this case than what I thought. To my surprise, there seemed to be. And so I did extensive filming 
during the production of what ended up being the phenomenon, started off as 701, I intended to edit a small section, cover that case, among many other cases, in the film. Probably spent six months editing, probably a 12 to 15 minute section. And ultimately, I cut it out entirely of the phenomenon. And I remember my Brazilian counterparts congratulating me on the phenomenon, but then saying, what happened? All the work we did, all the interviews we did, none of it made it in the movie. I said, I know, guys, I'm sorry. I tried to squeeze it in. I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do the case justice. And I also felt that we were missing a few key witnesses, primarily those from the Brazilian government or the Brazilian military that were involved as well as the gentleman, Carlos de Souza, who had vanished, who was reportedly one of the witnesses that saw the UFO actually crash. So the phenomenon came out. It was relatively successful. It did well. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I put a lot of time into that Virginia case. I really can't just let it go. I should give it one more shot. So we had boots on the ground in Brazil for probably another year and a half, two years. And then last year... I went there for another month after all the previous research that my fellow partners and co-producer Marco Leal had done and tracked down additional witnesses and, and convinced, managed to convince a few uh, witnesses that we'd been in touch with to come forward. So we shot it. We put the whole thing together. We were very fortunate. It was extremely precarious at the very last minute to get a couple of key eyewitnesses. Two were Brazilian military and several doctors. So that's how it all happened. Now, it's interesting here to note that Brazil didn't just have this one case. There have been some very, very significant UFO cases over the years in Brazil. I remember, for example, in the 50s, the Yuba Tuba case where some slag or some metallic fragments were apparently dropped by a UFO. And when tested, they yielded magnesium to a higher level of purity than anything we could at the time develop here. Yeah, I think Jacques Vallée even said that it would cost billions of dollars in a laboratory to do it, if we could do it. And in fact, in the phenomenon, I went and I was invited into the lab in Silicon Valley with, with Gary Nolan and Jacques Vallée to share some of their preliminary analysis of, of alleged bits, pieces of UFO metamaterial, they call it. And in some of those samples was an event that happened in 1957 at Caninas Beach in Brazil, where allegedly this thing exploded and fragments spread, scattered all over the beach and on in, in the water. And so uh, that was 57. And then you've got another, I guess, a case that would involve a close encounter of the third kind in 68 in Linz. Then there was the uh, Colaris case. It happened in 77. I think that was kind of ongoing that also involved both Brazilian and I'm told US participation that was a crazy case and then you and I and I give a very snapshot history in this piece then you've got 1986 UFOs over Brazil where you had roughly 12 UFOs and jets scrambled and the Brazilian Air Force was very transparent about that case and even allowed some of the pilots to describe what they'd seen and then you've got this incredible event 10 years later where you've got witnesses in the town and around the town of Virginia, which is about five hours to the north of Sao Paulo in the, in the state of Minas Gerais, claiming to see an object in distress, 
cigar-shaped, no wings, no tail. It had a gash in the back of it. It had white vapor. They said not, not smoke like you'd expect from a fire. It was like a white vapor coming out the back, flying very slowly and erratically like it was in trouble. Ultimately, we have a witness, Carlos Sousa, who is an um, ultralight pilot, as well as a professor in Sao Paulo, who was headed on January 13th, the morning of January 13th, from Sao Paulo to the state of Minas Gerais to go ultralight flying. He was an amateur ultralight pilot with some friends of his, so he remembered the date very well, and who claims to have seen this object actually impact the ground. He came upon the crash site. He jumped off the freeway. He followed up to where this thing was on a farm called Myolini Farm, and he came upon a, a, a field about the size of a football field of debris with a very large portion of the uh, alleged craft, cigar-shaped craft, still intact. He was examining the area. He said that there was a extremely powerful, strong odor of ammonia and sulfur, so much so that his eyes were watering. He grabbed his T-shirt and covered his nose, nose and his mouth. And he said that the, that the debris was foil-like, somewhat similar to what Jesse Marcel had described back in 1947. The memory right. metal, what you're talking about is the memory metal. The memory metal that he put in his hands, it was very light, and he crumpled it up, and it retook its form after he released it. And at, I think he was there for less than five minutes when the military trucks from a base called ESA, E-S-A, arrived um, on the scene, and they uh, ushered him out of there at gunpoint. So... Uh, a few days later in the town of Virginia, which is roughly six to ten miles away as the crow flies, you've got reports from both civilian and, and military of uh, a large military presence and strange beings um, that were roughly four feet tall, brown, oily skin, very oily, like silicone oily, uh, with large heads, big, big red eyes, three to four times the size of a human, spindly arms, spindly legs cowering, afraid, weak. James Fox, director of Moments of Contact. With Gene and Tim and James, you're in The Paragast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences. Too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. 
Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So James Fox is giving us the description of this four-foot being with humongous eyes that was seen in the vicinity of this crashed UFO in Varshinya. Go on, please. So... The most compelling eyewitness testimony came from three women, young women, age 14, Valkyria, her sister, Liliani, age 16, and their friend, Katya, age 21. And they were going, took a little shortcut home through this little field that had a sort of tall grass, maybe about knee-high grass, and a cinder block wall on one side. And they said they were walking through this field and they saw up against the cinder block wall what they initially thought was maybe a statue of something very unusual. And it was, they slowed down, they're trying to 
take a closer look. It was only about 10 feet away. As they got closer, they realized that it was something they'd never seen before, some strange creature. And one of the girls let out this gasp, at which point the creature maintained this crouched position and turned its head and looked them right in the eyes. Two of the girls yelled, Liliani and Valkyria, grabbed each other by the hand and started hightailing it out of there. They got about 100 to 150 feet away and realized that Katya, the 21-year-old, was frozen in her tracks, locked eyes with this thing. So the older of the two sisters, Liliani, left her younger sister, Valkyria, and ran back to the spot and grabbed Katya and pulled her out of there. In fact, that's where I got the title of the film because I wanted to know from Katya when she locked eyes on this being, what did she feel? The moment of contact with this creature, did she see? Did she feel anything? Was there any level of communication? And that's when she said that it was communicating to her that it was scared, it was vulnerable, weak, and it wanted help. The communication, was it just a look or did she get some other kind of signal? You know, I didn't ask her if it was telepathic, but I said, did it communicate to you? Was it, there was some kind of, she said, I'm scared and it, and it wanted help and it was suffering. Is what she said to me. I didn't ask her. I didn't speak. That's for sure. It was done through the eyes. And I didn't actually use the word telepathic. I'm assuming that's possibly what it was. There was no verbal communication. Now in the film, there is artistic representation of the creature. But if you want to see something sort of similar, there was a character in the TV series Stargate SG-1 called the Asgard. And they are shiny, gray-like alien creatures with huge eyes. Now, I wouldn't say this event was influenced by that one because Stargate SG-1 came out after that particular contact, but it's interesting about the shiny skin. Let's go on, please, about this. So the girls ran back to their house. They got their mother and brought her down reluctantly. So the two sisters refused to go back to the scene. But Katya, the 21-year-old, ultimately agreed with the mother of the two girls, her friends, to go back to the scene. And when they got there, the creature was gone. However, there was a stench. Mother said it took several weeks, even using rubbing alcohol, to get it out of her sinuses and her, just the smell in her nose and throat that it was sort of sulfur and ammonia they described, a very, very strong, like 100 times stronger than a skunk. And there was a footprint in the shape kind of like a V with another digit protruding out to one side in the soft sand which she drew for me. That story spread like wildfire across Brazil. Also, other stories of the fire department uh, having captured uh, a similar creature, identical creature, just a couple of hours earlier on the same day. And then about two to two and a half hours after the encounter with the girls and this creature, there were two military officers on patrol that were told they were on the lookout for something unusual. They were not told that there was a potential spaceship crash and an alien walking around. They just said, look out, be on the lookout for something. They were instructed to be on the lookout for something incredibly unusual. They were driving just a few blocks away from where the girls had encountered this being about two and a half hours later when suddenly this thing went across the road in front of them. The driver, Eric Lopes, slams his brakes on. Marco Cherizzi leaps out of the passenger seat and captures this thing with his bare hands. 
reportedly puts it in the back of the car, and they take it ultimately to Regionist Hospital. Marco Cherisi, just a few weeks later, he apparently had like this greasy stuff, sticky, greasy stuff all over him. And he kept trying to wash it off with rubbing alcohol. And he had a little gash on his arm, which became infected. And after a few weeks, he admitted himself to the emergency room. And uh, the doctor said that, which we also interviewed, Dr. Cesario, that he had this infection that normally a standard antibiotics would take care of, but nothing was reacting to it. And he said he threw the kitchen sink at Marco Terizzi, who was a healthy 23-year-old soldier. And Marco Terizzi died. It goes on to give you the feeling, then, that E.T. is dangerous to your health. And there have been cases through the years where someone gets close to a flying saucer and suffers ill effects. But this is the first time I've heard someone trying to grab a hold of an E.T. and suffering from some kind of nasty side effect. We don't know that it's E.T. Some people of the witnesses called it E.T. Some people called it a creature. Some of them called it just a strange being. Uh, but they said clearly, the witnesses, it was not a human and it was not an animal. It was a sentient being, uh, as I described, about four feet tall, spindly arms, spindly legs, weak, feeble, cowering, afraid, and uh, big, big, big red eyes. Well, the UFO or ET connection comes because it happened in the wake of a crashed object, whatever it might have been. So I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting because I don't know and... You don't know what that creature was, but obviously people saw it, touched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I look, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, extraterrestrial, but I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know what it was. And I can't sit there and tell your audience that I do because I don't. But it certainly <laughs> appears that way. One other thing you brought up, which is something from our pre-show conversation you hadn't followed before is that the odor of sulfur burnt sulfur rotten eggs is prevalent in ufo history john keel would often mention that that it would herald the arrival of some strange phenomenon but here it was strictly in connection with these creatures and the crafts apparently because that's what uh, sure. carlos Sousa had described he said it was so strong that his eyes were watering and he was outside on a big fe- in a big field and that the grass was burned. I said, was the grass burned from a fire? He said, no, it was like a chemical acid chemical that, had, that was spread up across the field that had, that had burned the grass, but it wasn't a fire, some sort of liquid. We're going to break briefly here. We've got James Fox, director of a new film, Moment of Contact, about the 1996 events in Virginia, Brazil. I hope I got that pronounced correctly. We'll have somebody from Brazil send us a nasty letter if we didn't get it, okay? With Gene and James and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. 
We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. USA Radio News. More snow expected in western New York overnight as a travel ban is lifted in some parts of Buffalo. The southern part of the city is not one of those areas. Mayor Byron Brown says there's so much snow there, they have to just haul it out. Former President Trump called the Justice Department special counsel overseeing investigations into classified documents recovered from his Mar-a-Lago estate, quote, super radical left. Jack Smith, a veteran federal prosecutor, was chief prosecutor for a special court in The Hague. Serenos CEO Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to more than 11 years in prison for defrauding investors of her blood testing equipment company. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has pledged more military aid to help Ukraine in its fight against Russia. He has also pledged some training and humanitarian support. You are listening to USA Radio News. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text MONEY to 813-813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word DEMO, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text MONEY to 813-813. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. 
Now, obviously, not everyone has seen this film yet, although it's available from Amazon and all the usual offenders. But after watching it, I got to thinking, one of the most compelling parts of the film is when you take this eyewitness on this country dirt road in an effort to find the place where he saw the crashed object. And when he did find it, and you can detail this more explicitly, when he did find it, he breaks into tears. That had to be the most moving moment in the film. But tell us about the adventure to find that place. So Carlos Sousa had given one very brief on-camera statement to a Brazilian researcher by the name of Claudio Covo. Claudio Covo is deceased. I think he died somewhere in 2010, 2011. And we could not find Carlos. And I kept saying to my Brazilian counterparts, look, guys, we don't have a film if we don't have the guy who witnessed the thing crash. I mean, yes, we do have some archival interview footage of him, but that's it. I think it probably took Marco Leal, the fellow producer on the show, uh, on this documentary, probably five or six years, maybe a little longer. Finally found him, developed a little relationship, and ultimately got him to come forward after 26 years. So he had not been to the crash site for 26 years. We met him in Sao Paulo. He joined up with our team, and we took him to Virginia. When we arrived at Maiolini Farm, everything had changed. It just wasn't the, the, the grounds had changed. There were trees where there weren't trees. He kept talking about a, a small white house. And then he could definitely, I kept saying to him, because we're out in these different fields, we're missing location. He just, we couldn't find it. And, uh, and I thought to myself, God, how could this guy not know where the crash site was? My God, this farm is not that big. It's one dirt road in, one dirt road out. But he kept saying, I kept, you know, he kept saying, I, I could see a White House. I said, well, how certain are you that you could see a White House in the debris field? When you were standing in the debris, he said, oh, a thousand percent, he kept saying, a thousand percent. But we couldn't see a White House. We searched for several hours. I was, quite honestly, pretty disappointed. I remember thinking, boy, this production is not off to a good start here. And uh, I then decided to take my drone up into the sky that has a camera on it and start looking, you know, take it up to a higher altitude and start looking directly down to see if I can spot a small white house. And I did. And we were off by about a quarter mile. And I thought, I see a small white house. It had a grove of trees that had grown up, and it was quite hidden off the beaten path. And I thought, this has got to be it. So we drove down to this spot, got out, started walking down towards at which point Carlos clearly found the spot. I mean, you could see that it was an incredibly traumatic moment for him. And I remember the cameraman, Carlos, just started running towards the place. And the cameraman screaming, David West, my DP, slow down, slow down. I can't, I can't keep up with you guys. He's got all this camera gear, but I couldn't stop Carlos. He was just, he was on a mission. He was in his own little world. And when we got there, it was such an emotional, profound moment. I mean, one of the top five in all my years of, of production where you could see in his eyes that he was reliving the scene. He was seeing the military trucks. He was seeing the debris field. He was seeing that, that one impact segment of the, uh, of the craft. And, uh, it was very, very emotional. He was crying and I nearly cried. You know, if the guy's lying, boy, he deserves an Oscar. Now for uh, a lot of years, the, uh, Carlos, 
witnessing the uh, 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 crash had been dismissed, mostly because nobody could find him. Uh, now, was that a situation where Carlos just decided that he had had enough of it and just kind of, you know, you know, disappeared on his own, or he, you know, had he just been forgotten about? Me, you know, as time went by. One of the um, aspects of the story that I'd heard before, but I'd always kind of steered clear of the of the testimony, was the appearance of men in dark suits that were rather intimidating, that approached witnesses, and I heard it from the mother of the two daughters that had a visit that was quite scary and intimidating and very, they were very stern and, 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 and adamant that her dog, that to, to get her daughters to lie and say that what they saw was something else. The mother refused, but she was quite intimidated by it. They offered her large sums of money. She could leave the country. She, re- she ultimately refused said she's not going to call her daughters liars. And Carlos, claimed to have also had a visit from men in dark suits that were quite intimidating. And they didn't threaten his life. They just said, if you talk about what you saw, you didn't see what you saw. If you talk about it, things are going to get very weird for you. And they went on to describe where he lived, his wife's name, his kids, all about his life. He said it was very, very spooky. The one thing that struck me listening to that scene with the women is that these Men in dark suits. I have four of them, right? Uh, I think there were three. All right. In any case, they said they would get the money if they left the country. You know, I think what they said was you could start your life over again and be somewhere else. Uh, I, uh, implying uh, it was foreign money. It was American money. Implying they would leave Brazil altogether. They'll set them up in Las Vegas. <laughs> Or, or something like that. Maybe Reno. I don't know. I don't steer clear of those men in black stories because they just sounded so far-fetched. And uh, I just had a hard time. And I'd heard them since the 90s. I'd heard about these encounters. I just couldn't wrap my mind around the possibility of these strange men in black figures. I don't know. It just it was a tall order. But there was something about the testimony of the mother. I just absolutely believed her. I think it was... For me, personally, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I thought, okay, I can't ignore this anymore. I'm going to include this testimony in the film, and I might be criticized for it. But I just felt that her story was very compelling. I didn't think she had any reason to lie, and I believed her. It's interesting, though, because the the whole Men in Black story seems to be more of a, you know, like a Western uh, type of thing. And I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember really any cases in you know like central or south america involving the men in black you know i had heard about men in suits showing up in belgium from general de brower mm-hmm. talking about wanting the recordings of the cockpit of the jets that were scrambled to intercept the ufo or ufos over um um belgium back in the late 80s and early 90s um, I'd also heard General Parviz Jafari, the 1976 case over Tehran, Iran, where he, all the jets were also scrambled and he tried to intercept this UFO and ultimately tried to shoot at it, which didn't end well for him. And he said the very next morning there were men in suits from the U.S. government. He doesn't, he wasn't sure which agency they were from. 
I'd also heard from Deputy um, Base Commander Charles Holt of an airplane rent live in it at the Bentwaters Rendlesham Forest incident in 1980. And he said that they came in from some unknown government agency in the U.S., sanitized, inter- interrogated the witnesses, did all these things. So I'd heard about these these so-called, you know, in fact, dating back to 1950 with Evelyn Trent, you know, the uh, McMinnville, Oregon case. I've got her on camera in the 80s. I did not shoot it. Somebody else did. Describing a man that came over to her house in a, in a plain clothes suit and intimidating her and ransacking her house and asking for more uh, photographic evidence that she, her husband, Paul, had shot. Um, so I'd heard about this. And uh, you also had the 19, I think it's 65 Santa Ana with Rex Heflin. He also had men in suits come to his house. But I did, I just kind of avoided those, and then finally, like I said earlier, it just, this this one just got me, and I and I decided to include uh, that test that aspect of of the phenomenon in in the story. The film is Moment of Contact, and we're talking with James Fox, the director, and we've got Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? 
but the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. Here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCN Tax Cut. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Interesting, the local color there when you have a lot of scenes where someone shoots you driving a car. Now, the first question I want to ask before we go into anything else, you're an American, you go to Brazil, so your driver's license is accepted? Yeah, no questions asked. Of course, in the U.K., it'd be strange because you're driving on the opposite side of the road on the opposite side of the car. It it looks like you're a pretty decent driver, though. I didn't see you doing anything weird. You seem very calm and collected. I did the stick shift fairly well. You can't rent an automatic in Brazil. (laughs) And not that I I drive stick shift. I grew up driving stick shift. But isn't that funny? It's like, you know, I'm sure that many Americans that travel to Brazil to get a rental car have difficulty with that because a lot of Americans can't drive a stick shift. Or a manual. It's funny. When I first learned how to drive, I took lessons. And I had a car. This is the 1960s. I had a car that was given to me by my first wife's aunt. And it had a stick shift, three-speed stick shift. So I learned on the stick shift how to drive a car. And for many years thereafter, until probably around 1980, most of the cars I owned had stick shifts. Then I said, the heck with it. My first car was a 1976 Peugeot 504 diesel. They were oh, implemented yeah. in Paris as taxi cabs. And that was a four-speed manual gearbox as well. So that was the very first car that I had. I grew up driving a stick shift. I once took a test drive in the Peugeot, and I thought it was interesting. But what was the other brand of French cars? Citroën, is it? Oh, Citroën. Citroën. Yeah. Weird kind of car. But it's, it's unfortunate that most of these foreign makes didn't make it here until the companies decided to bring in cars that were essentially American cars reduced in size. 
you look at the the, the, the 60s Citroën, I think the French call it. Uh, since That's right. Citroën. Yeah. They were highly advanced for their time. I mean, they had like this air suspension or this fluid hydraulic suspension that all basically floating on fluid. It was a very smooth ride, very comfortable, like a big couch in the back, big comfy seats, really kind of floats down the road. Beautiful design, looked like a teardrop almost. Yeah, but those very, very few of those cars made it to the United States. I was good friends with an old World War II pilot. In fact, I did a film with him called The Good Fight, and he was in his 90s, and that's the car he drove. And he said he bought it new in the 60s, and he drove it all the way to the day he died. I never got a chance to drive one. And when I thought about it, where I might have even had the money to buy one, they were no longer being brought into this country. I don't recall them getting terrifically good reviews. They weren't great handling cars. But in terms of comfort, I agree with you. It sounded compelling. Plus, I liked stuff that was different. Like in the 1990s, early 90s, I bought one of the first Mazdas with the rotary engine. RX-7. No, it was before the RX-7. It was the RX-2. Oh, RX-2. Wow. Okay, yeah. Those, those things would rev really high. Yes, they did. And the way they work, of course, is they had low torque. So you'd have to really jam your foot down to get some acceleration. But as soon as it revved up, suddenly it's like a rocket and all the big cars around you are being left in the dust. I remember that well. I drove an RX-7. It was my, my dad's uh, girlfriend, uh, ended up his, his wife. She was from France, and she had a, an RX-7. That thing was a ton of fun to drive. That seemed to be ahead of its time, and I don't know what happened to that patented motor, but it seemed to make a lot more sense than pistons going up and down. Yes, I remember the commercials. The piston goes whatever, and the Mazda rotary engine goes, ah, like that. <laughs> the problem with the rotary engine is that the fuel economy was not mm. nearly as good as a regular piston engine, and I think the manufacturing costs were higher. So eventually Mazda withdrew it from the United States, the RX-7 being the last ones. I understand they may revitalize the rotary engine and use it as part of a hybrid system. That would be nice. But the other problem was the RX-7 was basically a two-seater or a two-plus-two. There was a rudimentary back seat, whereas the RX-2 was like a Toyota. It was a four seater car so mm -hmm. it made it practical for us but the thing also problematic about the rotary engine and we'll get back to unproblematic ufos here the thing about the rotary engine that was problematic is that the rotor seals could fail early mm, so we're talking that. here about after about sixty-five thousand miles in this rx2 when you start up it's blowing smoke and finally i turned it in and while I was driving to the shop to pick up my new compact Buick, the car's standard six-shift transmission was failing. The master cylinder was going. I managed to induce it to get to the shop, parked way in the rear of the parking lot, picked up my car, brand new car, left very quickly. And then the salesman calls me the next day, hey, get this, when I tried to move your car, the transmission would work, and I said, my heavens, it was perfect yesterday. It was perfect when I dropped it off. It's bizarre. <laughs> I said, otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten there. How did I get there otherwise? And he took it in stride. You know, okay, they have to rebuild it or auction it off, which is what they often did with cars that were defective like that. Plus, you know, it had to have an engine rebuild. 
but I don't think they were sophisticated enough in rotary engines to understand the symptoms as I did. So there you go. Let's go back to UFOs in this case. It's often called Brazil's Roswell. I guess the similarity here is the crashed object. The advantage to the Brazil case is that unlike Roswell, which occurred obviously back in 19, July of 1947, the witnesses, this is 1996, the vast majority of witnesses are still alive. And the problem here with Roswell, as we know, it was 30 years before information came out after the initial event. At that point, all the witnesses were exposed to pop culture. They were exposed to the Aztec UFO crash story from Frank Scully. And I expect a lot of the things they remembered were not very accurate. And Kevin Randall, whom I think you know, he never was able to... Pardon? Yeah, of course you know Kevin Randall. Yeah, he helped me out. Uh, oh, uh, quite a bit with that segment I did on Roswell in uh, The Phenomenon. Well, Kevin said in a book called Roswell in the 21st Century that he could never pin down a consistent story about bodies recovered in connection with Roswell. Here with Virginia, the focal point is not so much on the spacecraft itself or whatever it was, but on the creatures. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many cases have you heard of where you have credible accounts, multiple eyewitness testimonies in broad daylight coming between, you know, eight to ten feet of a live, unrecognizable creature. I mean, I haven't heard that. I mean, you've got the Rua Zimbabwe case. The thing about Rua, which happened at the aerial school, which is just outside Harare in Zimbabwe, is that the beings, so-called beings, were in control of that situation. Here they were not. You know, the, the, the children claimed to have gotten within our arm's reach, some of them, with these strange beings, which had the very large eyes and small bodies and diminutive, diminutive size. But, but with, with, um, with this case, it was just different. These beings were not in control of the situation. They were cowering and they were afraid and, and weak and feeble and all that stuff. What's interesting also is... The aftermath, what happened? We, you trace the path of the creatures as they were captured and were recovered. You don't say so much about the object itself. What information did you find about it? The only information that we got on the actual crash from a Brazilian military person was Military X. And military X reportedly was responsible. He was based at, as a military base was responsible for the transportation of at least one of these creatures, which he saw. And he, during the interview, which was a miracle that we got him, he's been uh, one of the top three targets of all the Brazilian UFO researchers since 1996. And he said that everything happened, his entire experience, his involvement, his participation, all stemmed back to Myolini Farm, which is the impact site. That's the crash site. And he confirmed for the for that on camera. It's in the credits at the end. So that was the only confirmation that we got from an inside military, Brazilian military official. Uh, but he was not involved with the transportation. Sorry, with, he was involved with the transportation. He was not involved with the, uh, with the crash site. But his friends were, and they confirmed to him. That's where it all started. 
Moment of Contact is a film a lot more talk about. Even what the last line of the film was, with doesn't destroy the continuity of the film, but it's interesting, with James, Gene, and Tim, you're in. Of the Pentecost. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, I created the cliffhanger. What was the last line in the film? If you hear it, you may sort of understand what James is referring to, but you have to see the entire film. It doesn't sum it up. It's just an offhand comment. And what was that comment, James? So we... (laughs) You know, I think there has to be humor with all of these cases because we don't have humor what do you have and we had secured an interview with a gentleman who worked at Regionist Hospital he wanted to remain anonymous he did share photographs of him in the hospital he was a radiologist he took x-rays and he revealed this very bizarre encounter that he had had one night on duty at the hospital when the military showed up lots of trucks and jeeps and and weapons and and basically took over the hospital and brought in this stinky thing in a black body bag that he had take he had to take x-rays of he was very serious in his account of what had happened 
the fact that they were adamant not to for him to ever release or discuss any part of his involvement. And at the end of the interview, I jokingly said, and I, you know, I was very serious about the way uh, I present every question, and I even did so with this. And I said, uh, do you think that that smell that you described would make a good perfume? And it took him a moment, but then he realized I was kidding. And to see him laughing, it was like a moment of levity in a very serious situation. And we all had a jolly good laugh. And I thought, you know, I'm going to put this at the end of the film to end on a high note. Now, one thing about this film, similar to The Phenomenon, is that I guess like they do now in superhero movies, during the closing credits, there is more to the film to watch. I think of that because of the scene like at the end of Black Adam, where you see Henry Cavill return as Superman for four seconds. Or the scene in, what was it, The Avengers, where at the end of the film, they're in a Mediterranean restaurant having some food. You know, what, what I do when I edit a film, I do edit, I, I, of course, review all the content multiple times, all of it, every second. And then I slice it up and I color code it. And I do pink for good, red, purple is, you have to find a place for this in the movie. I'll put blue for B-roll. I'll put, you know, these different colors correspond to different scenes or whatever. And at the end, obviously, inevitably, you've got a bunch of scenes that you just couldn't figure out exactly how to squeeze into the movie that would make a very good sort of break in the credits. And so I have a handful of these selects, James selects, I call them, and I sort of splice them into the credits at the end of the film, and I feel it's a nice way to sort of ease out and provide additional information, some of it quite important, sprinkled throughout the credits. And I think it's fun. Speaking of fun, I know a lot of the people who listen to us make their own films, primarily now on smartphones. They make real films with iPhones, for example. I'm going to ask you if you used a smartphone as part of this. What kind of equipment did you use to shoot the film and to edit it? So I shot the film. My DP, the guy I've been working with for quite a while now, David West, he had these new Sonys. We used to shoot with the Canon Mark III and Mark IV. That's what we shot the phenomenon with. And now uh, he had switched over. It made the jump from the Canons to the Sony cameras, which had also a steady cam, which was a vest that he wore, and it would, the camera would kind of float, and you could do these more dynamic shots, motion shots. And then we also had a gentleman who had a new iPhone and shot on 4K on a gimbal, and he shot sort of what was probably going to be, for the most part, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, but also some of that we would put in the professional audio and quite honestly, very few people could tell the difference. But we did, so we did use uh, an iPhone with a gimbal, and then we spliced in professional audio, like high, high, you know, good, proper audio, and, and then did the color correction to make up for the different camera, you know, processing the, uh, what do you call that, uh, the processor to do the color. So we do color correction and try to match them as best we could. And quite honestly, I don't really think most people could tell the difference. What about editing? What kind of software Adobe or hardware? I did it on Adobe Premiere. I used to edit on Final Cut Pro. I did 50 Years of Denial, which was my first one in the mid-90s. And that was on a, a toaster flyer. And then I went to um, 
think of the I'll think of the that was a, it was a professional studio. It's actually, believe it or not, still alive today, and that was a non-linear editing system, as was the, the toaster flyer, and um, it was Avid. And then for Out of the Blue, I used Final Cut Pro, and people were telling me at the time, in the late '90s, you can't make a movie with Final Cut Pro. So I shot the material on a good camera. I processed it through the Final Cut Pro system and my Mac. And then I spat it out and I brought the tape into a production house, had them put it through a wave, a vector scope and a waveform monitor and asked them, I didn't tell them where it came from, is, is this broadcast quality? And they said, absolutely. So then I shot and edited out of the blue with Final Cut Pro and then I did I Know What I Saw, and that was all done with Final Cut Pro. Then I did, started working on the phenomenon on Final Cut Pro, and then I got about two or three years into it, and I tried to get other people to come work with me, and they said, well, what, what platform are you editing on? I said, Final Cut Pro. They said, Final Cut Pro had gone from 7 to 7 point whatever, and then it eventually jumped to 10, and nobody wanted to edit with Final Cut Pro anymore. And they said, if we're going to work with you, we can't work. Final Cut Pro is dead. Everyone's transitioned over to Adobe Premiere. That transition from Final Cut Pro, the project, over to Adobe Premiere took to get all the bugs out and the system up and running the better part of a year. And then I edited this moment of contact on uh, Adobe Premiere. Just to backtrack with some of this, when Apple changed the code base completely for Final Cut, they let go some very important features. In other words, they say something has 126 features, say, and they come up with a new version, it has 100. Those 26 features may be required by movie editors. So Apple probably made a foolish decision doing that, but by doing that, it made a lot of people say, we can't use this platform anymore because it doesn't do what we want. Since then, Apple has released many, many free updates from the original software, which include those features. But as you say, a lot of people went to other platforms. And if you're going to use a desktop system, Mac or PC, sure, Adobe Premiere is perfect. You know, and I loved, I loved you know, Final Cut Pro because the keyboard shortcuts, I mean, I could edit that blindfolded really quickly. I mean, I 20 years, you know, it's like, why take something perfectly good that I'm totally proficient at and change the platform altogether. And like you said, they I think what they did was they catered to a lot they catered to a larger audience and kind of a more prosumer level audience and by going to the ten. I think a lot of people told me it was more like um what's that basic uh iMovie I think it was. It was Correct. Like a more sophisticated version of iMovie. It was turned into an application that was iMovie with some professional features. I mean, since then, they've made a lot of changes, and it's a lot more professional now. But this was the original concept. Yeah, so I stopped working with it. Just because it's, you know, any, anyone that I wanted to work with, they were like, yeah, we don't edit on this. It's, you, you know, we can't work with you. So you either have to switch over, or you're going to work by yourself on the old version of Final Cut Pro 7. So I switched. And it was, it, like I said, it was a, it was a labor-intensive process because the codecs were different. Everything was different. I had to re-import everything, sync it up. Oh, it was a nightmare. And I had all kinds of problems, uh, all kinds of problems. It was, it was a huge headache. 
Sure. Send a bill to Tim Cook at Apple and say, look yeah, what right. you cost me by up <laughs> overhauling the code base for final cut. I'm back. And don't forget that James Fox will be back for After the Powercast, our premium show. You won't want to miss it. We got James and Gene and Tim. You're in. The Powercast? Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Powercast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Powercast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word MONEY to 813813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text MONEY to 813813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word DEMO, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text MONEY to 813813. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special 
DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. I'm about to give you a life-changing URL that if you will simply visit it and give these tax consultants a call, it will change your life. Whether you're a blue-collar worker or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a millionaire, almost no one out there is taking advantage of legal, lawful tax loopholes. Go to GCNTaxCut.com that takes you right to American Tax Solutions, and they will give you an amazing preview of what they can do for you. GCNTaxCut.com, GCNTaxCut.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The point being here, of course, with what James says, is that a talented movie maker can take desktop software, desktop-grade hardware, which is pretty darn fast nowadays, and make a real, professional, high-quality movie that you can take to the theaters. But you don't need to shoot 8K. You know, I, for what I do, I actually asked my DP, David West, to not shoot on the highest level of quality his camera was, was capable of. Just because I thought, well, how high of a resolution do you need to shoot someone's face Hmm. and also the processing speed of my mac just was you know a a computer is like obsolete after five years you know the technology is constantly you know moving forward and i was just so happy to keep my old mac can i guess they call it the trash can which i'm probably going to edit my next movie on but the processing speed slows down and uh, and and how high of a resolution ultimately does one need um, everything looked great. For the vast majority of it was shot. The drone stuff was shot in 4K. I think the Sonys were 1080, very high res. In fact, we looked at it on a huge screen in Los Angeles, LA Live Theater, and a massive screen. I was like, oh, God, I hope this holds up. And, I mean, the biggest, one of the biggest screens I've ever seen. It looked like the size of a two-story house. And it looked fantastic on the screen. It, it really it was great. It was absolutely no problem at all. So I don't know. I mean, if I was doing a documentary on the beauty of the Grand Canyon, okay, great. But I'm not. My filmmaking is more sort of gritty in the field, on the fly. It looks great. Good color correction. I mean, how much resolution ultimately at the end of the day do you really need? Now, in terms of Max, Apple's gone to its Apple Silicon, which is the same processor used in your iPhone. And the manufacturers of the key equipment for movie making have brought their software into the new Apple Silicon, which can process Final Cut or even Adobe Premiere many times faster. And a computer that maybe costs half as much as your trash can Mac did. Unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I'm, my Mac is eight years old, and it's almost mine, ready for, mine, it's almost ready for mid-school. Mine's late 2013, and I'm still using it today. 
One of the fastest ones, I, I literally I walked in, and granted, I bought it in probably 2016, maybe 2017 at the latest, probably 2016. And I walked into the Mac store, and I said, I want the fastest, because I was so tired of, you know, the congestion, the, the, the processing speed, and having to wait for the renders. Uh, I just couldn't take another day of it. And I walked in, and I had raised some money, and I said, I want to get the fastest computer money can buy at your Mac store. So they all, you know, giddle, giddy got you know got on the computer at the Mac store, and they and we built the the fastest computer that money could buy at the time, and it was this can, and I got the most RAM, and I got the most processors, I got the most you know video card, whatever, all that stuff, and, uh, and it was great, it, it was really great, but it does get a bit congested, particularly when you start adding, believe it or not, lower thirds, and there were lots of lower thirds in this last film because it was shot in Portuguese. And so we had to have subtitles. And that definitely congested the computer. We had to do it in segments because it was, I mean, it was painstakingly slow. But um, for a normal production, one doesn't have to generally use that many. We, what we would do in the editing room is that we would turn off all the subtitles when we're getting the edits right. And then when we we're ready, and it, and it looked good. We'd turn the subtitles on, and then we'd render it out and watch it. And that worked. Let me tell you something which will shock you. That fastest trash can, that's the Mac Pro, the fastest one compared to the basic Mac Mini today, the Mac Mini would beat it. Oh, my gosh, I have no doubt. But I, you know what I love about this thing? And I'm going to do it my next film with it because I thought if I could eke out one more movie, that would be three movies for this thing, then, hey, I'll be satisfied. What I like about the can is that it's absolutely silent. You don't hear fans, cooling fans. It's so quiet, you don't even know it's on. It uses very little energy, and it takes up very little space, and it works. Well, the advantage of that is you just have to take a display in a very small computer wherever you want to do your editing. Let's get back to the film itself, and I wanted to ask you a creative question here. Obviously, you've got people speaking Portuguese, and so you have titles. Would it have worked better to have somebody, your translator, speak over what they said and not have to worry about titles? We had a discussion about that. My distribution company, 1091, was very concerned about that. They said, Americans don't like to read subtitles. And quite honestly, I'm not a big fan of subtitles myself. I always find that the way that subtitles are put in a film, they get kind of lazy about it. They put multiple lines on stacked on top of each other. They, they just splatter them on the screen, and it quickly goes to the next scene and the next. So I catered the subtitles, particularly for my level of reading, because I'm a slow reader. And I would actually, because I speak fluent French, I speak a little Spanish, and I learned as much Portuguese as I possibly could in the field. And I learned it during the editing process, which is the better part of a year. And I would put the words as they appeared. So a word would come out of their mouths, and I would put that on the screen. And for the most part, I try to just do one line. Very rarely did I do two lines. And I catered the subtitles to my level of reading. And the reason why I opted to do that in lieu of putting someone's voice, someone else's voice, is that I just thought, takes away from it's one step further away from the actual eyewitness 
and it separates you to hear the fluctuation, the tone, and that felt, it felt like it would, I don't want to say weaken the testimony a little bit. I wanted to hear directly as much as possible directly from the eyewitnesses. So I pushed hard for the subtitles and not having, uh, what do you call that, uh, voiceover, I guess. Well, the, with translation also, I kind of would agree with you. You can turn your head away from the film and listen to the voice. But here, with titles, you've got to look at the yes. screen constantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you see the emotion, not just in their voice, but in their look, to see how they reacted to all the crazy things happening around them. You know, I, I don't generally read reviews because sometimes it can be a bit critical and a bit harsh but I have been reading some of the reviews and I've only heard one comment about the subtitles out of thousands. So I think at the end of the day, the subtitles worked. And as you say, it's a word, it's a sentence. It's done in a way that if you just look at the screen, it won't bypass you. It won't be like four lines you have to figure out. And that kind of detracts from the enjoyment of the film. We're going to get into more of this about this particular case in Virginia, how it stands against other UFO cases, and maybe what James is working on and so much more material. I'm happy to have him for the full show and also after the Paracast to get into all this stuff. James Fox, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz are in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News. Former President Donald Trump reacted to the special counsel appointed to oversee the Justice Department investigation into classified documents recovered from Mar-a-Lago Friday night. He referred to veteran prosecutor Jack Smith as left wing and the Justice Department as politically weaponized. There's still a long way to go in Buffalo before the city is completely dug out from a lake effect snowstorm that has stumped several feet onto the city, as well as the western New York region. At least another foot is expected overnight. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is pledging more military aid to Ukraine. He announced that the U.K. will send air defenses, advanced training, and humanitarian aid. 
Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito issued a statement denying that he leaked the Burrell v. Hobby Lobby decision after a New York Times report that a leak occurred. The ruling allowed for-profit companies to deny contraception coverage based on religious objections. This is USA Radio News. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The film is Moment of Contact, and what gives it a touch of class is not just having James speak in the film, but Peter Coyote. Is Peter Coyote interested in UFOs? Because he's in many of your films. Very. You know, I don't think Peter would have done this this film because I'm kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. I mean, look, like you got to acknowledge that this falls into the category of extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I myself, as someone who's done six documentaries on the topic of UFOs, and I'm counting two parts out of the blue because I completely revised the second version of Out of the Blue called The Director's Cut, and I did not believe this case. So I completely understand the reluctance, the, 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 the skeptic's point of view of the likelihood of an event like this having actually occurred. I don't think Peter Carity would have done this for anybody else. He knows that I don't make any outlandish claims. He knows that I can generally back up our position with compelling eyewitness testimony. And he went out on a limb for this one. And I remember when we were in the studio, he was like, 
you know, he actually used a word that I won't repeat on this on on, on your show, but he was like, ah, this is Jesus. Did this what? <laughs> These live beans? I gotta see this one. You know, he was really like just gobsmacked by the story. You know. And it is. It's out there. In fact, I, I recently communicated with some people on the inside of the government. And I said, uh, hello, I'm feeling awfully alone out here. You know, James Fox putting his credibility on the line with a rather crazy story of a crash and live beings captured in the town of Virginia in 1996. Am I going to get any back up here anytime soon? You know, so it was kind of funny. But I feel strongly about it. I feel like the, the, the film, the, the eyewitness accounts speak for themselves, carry the film well, and we, we try not to make any definitive you know, statements on what it was or what it wasn't, and uh, put, the, put the evidence on the table and allow the audience to you know, make up their own minds. And would I like to have featured a photograph or a bit of videotaped evidence of the creature? you damn right I would. Did I bend over backwards to obtain it? You're damn right I did. Did we get close to securing some of that? We did. I ultimately opted to put the film out. I put the interest of the case ahead of my own personal ego and thought, I think this would encourage further eyewitnesses to come forward and hopefully, ultimately, someone on the inside to uh, release this evidence. That's one of the hopes we've had about Roswell. If Roswell was what it was purported to be, a possible crash of a spaceship, maybe or maybe not creatures were seen, we never get past the crash itself with whatever details. We could say, well, it possibly went here, and that's the end of it. It disappears for 30 years. We have imperfect memories plus people trying to get in on the act. Now we have something here that is 26 years old, See, I can add folks at my age, and, you know, some people can't up, add up my age, but 26 years ago this happened. Most witnesses are still alive. There's still various degrees of concurrent testimony then, but the whistleblower, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, we got pretty close with Military X. I mean, he's a deep, he was a government, a Brazilian, you know, military insider who was reportedly involved with the transportation of this creature. His testimony is riveting. Um, I'd never heard anything like it. But again, you know, obviously having that bit of videotaped evidence, photographic evidence, would be a major boon for the case. Have I given up on it? No, I haven't. And it's still all hands on deck. In fact, we're working on it 24-7. There are new leads constantly servicing. We just had some more contact with potential leads uh, a couple of days ago. We had a screening in Virginia, Brazil that the mayor attended. There were a lot of people that were directly involved with the case that were there. And uh, we're going to follow those leads and see where it, where it takes us. Now, was was there anybody that you were trying to find witnesses to this event that were reluctant to come in front of the camera and tell about their story? All of them. <laughs> and and, and, and why? Why? You know, if you look at the credits of the film, I asked that very question. Why is it? What was it? that the Brazilian government instilled, instilled the fear of death in these witnesses that 26 years later they're still terrified. And we dangled 
a very large cash reward, a very large, significant cash reward for this said evidence. They were terrified to come forward with simply their own personal eyewitness testimony. Now, imagine the threats that they received back then uh, as being simply an eyewitness. Imagine an eyewitness coupled with videotaped evidence that they may be in possession of, how scared they would be, because that's the holy grail. That's what, that's what it's about. You know, I remind your audience, too, that you know, even if we did have, and never say never, but videotaped evidence of this creature, I mean, there'd be a lot of people that still wouldn't believe it. I mean, there's special effects people that can create things these days that, you know, you know, um, maybe that itself wouldn't hold weight. The number one objective for us would be uh, a Brazilian um, military witness to come forward that has the credentials with the videotaped evidence, not anonymously, but to come forward and share their uh, their identity and uh, and their participation and and photographic evidence. That would be our number one choice for how it's released. Um, but we'll take what we can get. If someone wants to do it anonymously, we can do that too. But it would be met with a high level of skepticism because suddenly you've got alleged videotaped evidence of something with no person behind it, the, the person remaining anonymous. And that would be probably uh, widely unaccepted, I would, I would guess, because it's one thing to have an unknown object in the sky it's something entirely different to have videotaped evidence of beings on the ground. That's a big step. With films like yours, it always impresses me when you have the witnesses. And like with this incident, you know, the say, say like the, the girls who, 20, you know, 26 years later, still tell the same story when if it had been a hoax if they had you know seen like some people had said you know like a uh, the the town drunk that sort of thing you know but at this point they'd be like yeah well it's not exactly how <laughs> we we originally said it was yet the story remains the same yeah and they stick to it and their story has not changed at all I don't know about you guys. I'm assuming that both of you watched the film. I believe those girls. I absolutely, unequivocally, beyond a shadow of doubt, believe that those girls came within 8 to 10 feet of some strange creature. Actually, I watched the film just before we did this. I wanted to have it fresh in my mind. Unfortunately, they did not send a screener to Tim, but Tim has written about the case, so he's familiar with the basics. Yeah, Tim, you are. Yes, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, um, Tim. I'm sorry you didn't get a screener. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have put any of the witnesses on camera if I didn't believe them. The one thing that I would like more of, and I'm hoping this will come, I mean, this is an ongoing story. This is a developing story. There are, I'm, I'm fortunately triggering, thank God, I'm triggering further people coming forward. Uh, we've had a couple of witness, additional witnesses come forward in the recent weeks. Um, I'm hoping that more will come forward. I've had interest in the mainstream media to dig a little further with FOIA requests. That's starting to happen now. Let's do our break right now. 
We have James and Tim. And Gene, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com if you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity this will be the most important message you'll hear this year here's why we now have a small number of solar generators back in stock these emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I need a tax preparer. How should I choose one? Using a paid tax preparer this year? Before paying someone to do your taxes, make sure they're qualified. Ask about their fees, experience, and training. Check with a Better Business Bureau. Avoid anyone who promises a higher refund. And review your tax return before you sign it. And make sure your preparer signs it too. For more tips, visit irs.gov and search Choosing a Preparer. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. Dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great, like Extendivite very much, seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars, love this product Extendivite. Terry W, five stars, can't say enough, great product. 
Freya, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So you have mainstream media interests. I'm going to ask you one thing, too, as we continue with discussions of moment of contact. The path from Brazil to the rumored worthy story of this stuff going to the U.S. for investigation can we focus on that, too? So how has the mainstream media become interested since this film came out? Well, I can't reveal who they are, but I've been contacted. Some of them showed up at the premiere in New York. Some of them showed up at the premiere in Los Angeles. And they said that we are, just so you know, behind the scenes, we are very interested in this developing story. We are doing our own research. We're reaching out to people, new people that are coming forward. We're putting in FOIA requests. They felt that it was compelling enough to, to merit, uh, you know, some uh, additional uh, digging. So that's that's an ongoing process. So I'm very encouraged to, to hear that, obviously, because, you know, I could use the help. And we'll see what happens, you know. Uh, we haven't had, the film's only been out for a couple of weeks. Um, already I'm getting uh, some additional participation from, from people behind the scenes. And I'm sure, I have no doubt, that there will be additional eyewitness testimony, both American involvement and and Brazilian involvement. In fact, it's already happened in Brazil. I'm feeling optimistic that additional stuff will will take place in the United States in the coming months. What do we know now, if anything, about possible involvement by American authorities? One of the new aspects of this story that we just found out on our last trip to Brazil we were uh, very fortunate to interview a flight control officer in Brazil. So people in Brazil, like whether it's uh, police or firemen or flight control officers, they're part of the military. And so uh, we met with a gentleman, he's in the movie, that uh, claimed that a United States Air Force plane flew in on, I believe it was January 20th, and it flew in without an OM. Oh, I think it's A-O-E-M or A-E-M, A-O-E-M, O-M. It's, it's basically uh, approval, authorization from the Brazilian government on uh, a flight. Anything incoming from outside the country of Brazil needs to have authorization. This United States Air Force plane, according to the witness, flew in without this authorization just when he was, the control officer was, uh, he couldn't grant access, uh, a military, a high-level military, uh, Brazilian military, entered the room and said, allow them to land. And this plane initially was designated to land in Sao Paulo, landed in Campinas. Now, we have testimony from Brazil Brazilian uh, military that he transported the, the alleged creature from Virginia to as the military base, as the military base, Espesex military base in Campinas. And then you have testimony from a flight control officer that sees a United States Air Force plane 
land unauthorized by the Brazilian government into Campinas on the very day that those beans were transported there. So that's pretty compelling evidence. Obviously, we would love a paper trail. We are we are literally starting the process as of this week into FOIA requests to find out about this uh, so-called United States Air Force plane. Where uh, where did it go once it left the United States? They landed in Campinas. Two helicopters got authorization to go from Campinas to Virginia, and then for, for, from Virginia back to Campinas. Campinas, they loaded up whatever it was that they got onto this United States Air Force plane, and then poof, back to the United States. But we don't know where it landed in the United States or what happened to whatever it was that they had on board. What about the reports that uh, the United States uh, informed the Brazilian authorities that there was uh, something unknown uh, getting ready to enter their airspace? So I'd gotten gotten, um, informed from some Brazilian people that wish to remain anonymous. I was still reluctant to put that aspect of the film in, uh, sorry, of, of that, of that uh, allegation into the movie. I sent it to some government insiders here in the United States. They watched it. They, I guess, tacitly approved it. And I made the call based on my uh, feeling with it, level, level of comfort to leave that aspect in. I, I felt there was enough compelling testimony. Unfortunately, it was anonymous to leave it in that it was accurate. Well, none of this really should should come to any surprise. You know, it seems like in past um, um, you know uh, UFO incidents in Brazil, the United States has ended up uh, uh, being involved, at least you know according to reports. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like, you know, we've got it's like you've got this A tip program that was, you know, featured on the front page, exposed on the front page of the New York Times back in late twenty seventeen. And I remember thinking to myself, obviously it was great. Great news. I was in the middle of production with the phenomenon and it catapulted the whole issue onto the front page of the New York Times, which is a major boon to my production. Of course we had to go back in and cover that whole aspect of, of, of the story, which was great, into the phenomenon, which brought it current. But I said to myself, it comes to no surprise when I'm hearing all these accounts all around the world of U.S. involvement. So clearly there was never a termination of investigations into the phenomenon from the termination of Project Blue Book. Things continued. I mean, anytime you've got unknown objects whizzing around with impunity, clearly someone is going to investigate it. We just didn't know who that someone was. And I think there's a lot more than just ATIP. You know, there's, there, there are other programs I'm sure of. I don't know who they are or where they come from or what organization they're associated with, but they exist. And it's been, it's been ongoing since the termination of Blue Book in 69. All right. Uh, this, this is a good uh, point to bring in a question from uh, one of our listeners. This is from Richard Hawkins. And uh, uh, Richard uh, wants to know your opinion on the American government seemingly backtracking and saying that they can now identify most of the recent UAPs. I saw that. I saw one of the New York Times articles on that, and I was just 
you know, I go back to my my response to that is yes, the vast majority of uh, UFO reports can and have been explained away in down to earth physics terms. I say like you know ninety percent, eighty five percent. It's that core ten or fifteen percent that truly appear to defy after exhaustive uh, investigations a terrestrial explanation or a conventional explanation. So it's just more obfuscation as far as I'm concerned, and I was pretty disappointed with that because they're focusing on the stuff that clearly can be. There was no mention at all of what David Fravor saw and what all those other pilots saw and what they captured on their you know cockpit recorders and captured on radar and saw visually. There's no explanation of that. So the 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 cases that truly clear clearly defy a conventional explanation, they're just avoiding uh, as much as they can. I wonder. In this, go ahead, go ahead, Tim. I'll pick up something later. Go ahead. I think though, for a lot of people, all they have to do is just read. Uh, Air Force says that most UFO reports, UIP reports are Chinese drones, and that'll be enough for them. They'll be like, oh, oh Chinese drones. Yeah, Kenneth Arnold, you know, 1947, Chinese drones, everything's Chinese drones. And that, you know, that'll, that'll be it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the problem solved. You know, here's another thing that gets my goat a little bit. You've got the United States Air Force from 47 to 69. They had the scientific advisor, Dr. Jalen Hynek, who categorized UFO reports into three categories at the time. Close encounters of the first kind, where someone reports a UFO. Close encounters of the second kind, when someone reports a UFO and this this, this UFO interacts with the environment, whether it leaves burnt marks on the ground or impressions on the ground, photographed or picked up on radar, or burn someone's face, getting within a certain proximity of it. Um, and then you've got close encounters of the third kind, and that's where you have witnesses claiming to see occupants, beings associated with the crap. They've avoided talking about close encounters of the third kind, even though the Air Force, part of Project Blue Book, documented some of these cases and still could not explain them, and they acknowledged them, and they documented themselves. There's been no discussion whatsoever of close encounters of the third kind that I know of since the the uh, ATIP program was splattered on the front page of the New York Times in 2017. Let us do our break here, and we'll continue yes. with James Fox and Gene Steinberg and Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy. 
a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthrodex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. James, one thing that bothers me, or one of many things, but one principal item that bothers me about the new Pentagon UFO study, so to speak, is that they don't mention any sightings aside from the stuff since 2004. It's as if all of the decades of previous encounters, all of the encounters by civilians, everything that's gone on around the world, they do not exist. Yeah, and I'll remind your audience that, you know, I went to China and um, I spoke to a general in China in uniform. I I met with many uh, Chinese researchers. I learned of cases that happened in China in 1994 that were very similar to the Rua Zimbabwe landing case at Ariel School in 1994. In fact, the very same messages from witnesses in China, I think it was the Black Forest region, called Meng Jiaogua, and they reference entities, beings, that had a telepathic message about the state of the planet and warnings of the impact that humanity is having on the planet. Very similar to what was relayed allegedly, in the 1994 in Africa. So that is an aspect of the phenomenon that's being clearly avoided today. What about, you talked about the one military policeman who had, uh, uh, actually, let me backtrack and and assist on the question first. How many creatures allegedly uh, ended up being uh, captured? I mean, you know, we know the one that the girls saw against the wall, and then there was a report of the military policeman, you know, grabbing one and and physically manhandling it into the back of the car. How many total uh, have people said uh, were discovered? So we don't have enough evidence. We have testimony from a number of people in and around the town of Virginia that there were up to five beings seen. We included 
there were sightings after this incident, months after this incident, that are actually included in the extras at the local zoo. But we felt that it was there was only enough compelling testimony to include two. So, but but uh, there's some testimony on other sightings of these beings up to five. And one thing that is missed, for the most part, not everybody's missed it. Uh, actually, uh, Salas, Robert Salas, came to the LA premiere, and he commented on the film, and he noticed that there's an interview that we did with the family the gentleman, the, the father and his wife and his daughter, they were all standing outside on the evening, late in the evening of January 20th. And they saw an object, disc shaped object that was clearly in their eyes looking for something. And I kept asking them, well, how do you know it was looking for something? They said, look, it was doing a grid search. It was flying very low. We watched it for 20 minutes and it was flying very low back and forth we realized that their home was only a few blocks away from where the girl allegedly came in, in, into contact with this creature, where the alleged capture took place with Marco Cerisi and Eric Lopes, and where the military blockade was. So that, to me, appears to be a rescue mission, which is startling. I mean, we're, we're in the edit room editing that segment of the film, and one of my co-producers looked at me and he said, you know, you took some aerial photography of the of the alleged capture site as well as the encounter with the girls with the drone for aerial footage. I think that the house of the family is just a few blocks away. And there was a shot, actually. We went, it took about four hours. We went through every bit of drone footage. And we realized that the camera from the drone, very high up in the sky, was panned straight down at the alleged capture and, and encounter site. And then it pans up and you can see the house of this family. And we thought, my God, clearly comes across as a rescue mission. Like there was a spaceship of sorts looking for these beings. Did they manage to capture or rescue some of them maybe they did we only have credible testimony of two captures so we left the rest of it out just because it was sort of more circumstantial we we, we just weren't definitive on it but look there are aspects of this story there are a lot of unanswered questions that we would love answers to but we put what we felt was the most compelling aspects of it down that we had at the time so let me backtrack here the original case, the crash involved a cigar-shaped UFO, but the so-called possible search and rescue UFO was disc-shaped, correct? Yes, correct. According to the witnesses, yes. Mm-hmm. We interviewed four people that saw that, and they were absolutely adamant about it. They went on camera for the first time in 26 years, and one of them was an entire family. Very compelling. I mean, these guys didn't even want to go on camera. They didn't want their faces shown. When when they agreed to meet with us, they had no intention of going on camera. They just wanted us to know. And I convinced them in the field, thank God, go on camera. I'll shoot you from the back. I'll, I'll blur your faces. And they ultimately agreed and, and did it. In some cases, you even blurred their voices. I did have to do that on a couple. Yeah, Otherwise, they wouldn't have come forward. It was that or nothing. Yeah, it was that or nothing. 
That implies all sorts of things. Number one, they're afraid someone in authority is going to come back after them. There'll be a blowback or the fear of publicity, negative publicity, because, oh, my heavens, they're involved with flying saucers. Well, they also, according to the family, they had a visit from a Brazilian UFO researcher by the name of Uberjada Rodriguez, and he was accompanied with American people that claimed to have been from NASA. He does, we don't know if they were from NASA, but that's what they said. And at the end of their, I wouldn't call it an interrogation, but their interview, the so-called Americans said that uh, this never happened. You never met with us. You, you don't yet. Yeah, that was it. Don't ever talk about it. Maybe that had something to do with the fact they didn't, uh, that, that influenced their decision not to be on camera, not to be, have their faces on camera. Maybe. I don't know. You know, that's funny though, because in other cases in South America, uh, anytime that there's the report of an, an American presence, the, the name NASA always comes up. So, I mean, you wonder if NASA actually is involved or if somebody from the United States is using that because everybody's familiar with NASA. It's a very good question. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's. It's funny, you know, you got NASA just like, what, a week ago? They said they're launching their own investigation into the phenomenon. and even picked seven people, Mark Kelly being one, NASA astronaut. Um, but it makes you wonder, have they been investigating? I mean, have they been investigating this all along? Or is it just, like you said, another agency, uh, you know, claiming that they're from NASA because it's a recognizable name? I, I don't know. It's how interesting it is that we have the Pentagon UFO study and NASA doing a separate study and that dichotomy is not explained, especially NASA. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, NASA will not have access to the classified files, which is like kind of like a broken pencil, pointless. <laughs> I mean, why would they not give NASA, you know, who's launching their own UAP task force, not give them access to the classified files? How could you make it... How can you make an accurate assessment of what's going on if you don't have access to the classified stuff? Just think here. I'm, I'm thinking back. I'm going to break in a minute. I'm thinking back here about whether somebody would listen to your movie and watch it and say, hey, I'll come out with a real perfume with the odor of burnt sulfur and then come out with another object that will disinfect it. Maybe the people who make Lysol disinfectant spray. Would want to I do wonder something how much like that. Could, how much could we? How much could we charge for Eau de Virginia? <laughs> and don't forget that James Fox will be back for after the Powercast, our premium show. You won't want to miss it. We've got James and Gene and Tim. You're in the Powercast. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. For 20 years, I've been an afternoon napper, usually for about 30 minutes, but never longer than an hour. I justified this behavior by observing that animals take quiet times in the afternoon. All five cats go quiet, as does the dog. The chickens all sit quietly under a tree for about 90 minutes every afternoon. The wild birds say nor sing anything during this time. All goes quiet. Since beginning daily use of your way, I've not taken an afternoon nap, nor has the thought of taking one ever entered my mind. I'm single and homeschool my three children. I feel I'm a bit calmer and a bit more alert in managing them since using Green Meadow Way. Finally, I've been tortured with sciatic nerve pain for the last year. After a month on Green Meadow Way, the improvement has been great, and I hope for a complete release from that energy and life-sucking malady. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net. Did you get a call or message that mentioned Social Security that made you feel threatened or scared? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, press you for personal information, or demand instant payment. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Don't fall for it. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to oig.ssa.gov. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. See, we're coming up with brand new products here. 
And James, you'll have the patent on it, right? That the Ode to Virginia. I'm certainly first in line. Well, I think I'll be the last in line. I was thinking, though, the, the manufacturers of Lysol would want to do this because they'll say, they'll advertise, we are the only disinfectant, I don't know if this is true, that can get rid of that odor. <laughs> yeah. Or like the jokes when I was a kid, they used to sell these strange things at some companies where you go in a comic book and you see an ad and you have all these things like a whoopee cushion or something you sit down and it makes a weird noise and you spray something and it smells horrible so they were doing that back in the 50s and i don't recall what they sold to get rid of the odor i'm assuming the odor was temporary but still you know there's a prospect here bring it back you know people are trying to bring back the 1950s okay let's bring back the 1950s odorizer as opposed to deodorizer. Oh, <laughs> who knows what will become of this? I mean, they're starting a, a museum now in Virginia, so maybe they'll have it for availability. Who knows? Are they going to hold events there? Because you have this, this object in the city, which looks like a flying saucer, but not the flying saucer that was seen crashing. Do you think they're going to turn this into a tourist trap? I know, right? I mean, people have said that to me. It's like you can kind of see both sides. Like how many cities do you know of besides Roswell that claim to have had a UFO crash potentially from another world with live beings, creatures, aliens, whatever you want to call them, captured? It's pretty. I mean, I haven't heard that many credible reports. So, you know, they were known for coffee. Now they're known for aliens. Okay. In terms of crashes, do you know of any others, because you've been searching far and wide, any other cases around the world that involve crashes that appear to have some evidence? Because it doesn't seem there is much. We have Roswell, we have Varginia, we have other claims of crashes like Aztec, but no real evidence. You know, I've steered clear of these until now, pretty much. I mean, I did cover Roswell on my first doc. I covered Roswell in the phenomenon, and I only covered Roswell in the phenomenon because of the connection with the Clinton administration. And the it was part of the story with Lawrence Spellman Rockefeller, who was putting tremendous pressure on the Clinton administration in the 90s to dig into the, to the UFO phenomenon. And I think that he even went as far as saying, if you don't do it, I'll expose the fact you won't do it on every newspaper headline across the country. So Clinton said, okay, what case do you want us to look into? And Lawrence Rockefeller said, Roswell. So the Clinton administration went after it. I got Podesta on camera talking about it. And I decided, well, if I'm going to talk about Roswell, I should at least give a snapshot history of the case to familiarize with those viewers that didn't know much about it. But other than that, I've generally avoided these because of Again, going back to that claim that, uh, who's that famous astronomer, Carl Sagan, who said extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And it's a pretty extraordinary claim. I mean, if you have a UFO crash and live aliens recovered, you better have something to back it up with. Unfortunately, I don't have that piece of you know definitive evidence of a photograph or a videotape yet, but I felt there was enough compelling testimony to make a pretty strong argument that this happened. 
looking at the reports of the policeman who had actually physically accosted the creature and who then later developed an infection and, and, and passed away, I remember, you know, it's been a few years ago, uh, there was a report that uh, one of the doctors in one of the hospitals had also uh, passed away under what seemed to be strange circumstances after this incident. But subsequently, when I've tried to go back to find that story again, I haven't been able to uh, to, to locate it. Yeah. As well as the the zoo animal cases. I mean, have were there? Were there any other instances that that you uncovered where you know people suffered ill health after encountering these things? No, I did not encounter a single one. No, no. Mm, okay. <laughs> there was that sighting at the zoo several months later, and we include that as part of the as part of the extras. And uh, if if you buy the film, I think it's either on iTunes or Vimeo. It comes at the same price with uh, a bunch, uh, about two hours of bonus material. Unfortunately, Amazon doesn't offer the same thing for whatever reason. They don't. They don't add extras to when you purchase the movie. But but uh, iTunes and Vimeo it does. And so if if any of your audience is going to buy it, buy it from iTunes or Vimeo. And if you're going to rent it, just get it from Amazon because it's the cheapest on Amazon. So. We didn't include that in the film. We couldn't quite squeeze it in. The, another aspect of it, there were so many aspects of the story that, that didn't end up ultimately making it into the film. Um, I'm hoping that this will trigger more investigation, more eyewitness testimony coming forward, and this is just the first step uh, in this developing story. Okay, an hour and 45-minute film, roughly speaking, is pretty normal length. If you were given a chance for a director's cut, three hours, you know, kind of like what Zack Snyder did with Justice League in four hours and Peter Jackson with the Beatles, eight hours. You do a three-hour cut. What do you put in the three-hour cut that's not there now, or what do you flesh out? You've got some additional eyewitness testimony months after the incident of more witnesses claiming to see... Uh, these strange creatures. You've got the local zoo that reportedly the strange creatures were, were seen and a number of animals died under similar circumstances as Marco Cherisi, the military officer who's deceased after handling one of these creatures, a strange immune system failure and, and, and inexplicable death of a lot of the uh, uh, zoo animals. Uh, that part we did not um, include in the film. There's also the reported driver, uh, Eric Lopes. You might remember uh, Gene when we confronted him at his home after being in hiding for 26 years with the help of the local town mayor to locate this guy. It sounds almost like a police procedural where you come up to his house, he stares out the window, and when he threatened to shoot you people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot more to that backstory as well. He married the sister of the deceased military officer. Oh? We contacted her. We tried. You know, people said, you know, well, of course he's going to threaten to shoot you. You guys showed up at his doorstep on his property. And my response was, well, every other possible scenario had been exhausted. He'd refused to meet with any Brazilian researchers. He refused to give a statement. 
to even the very family of the military officer who was his friend, Marco Terizzi, to, to give any statements to their family. Uh, any requests for interviews, meetings, comments, he's refused. The only thing left was to show up at his doorstep and see if we can get a statement from him, which was what we did. And we were nearly met with gunfire. Hey, we don't want to get into that possibility with James, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. I had thought my bowel and related organs were working well enough. I used an herbal laxative and magnesium sulfate about once a week when my bowels had a day when they went on vacation. After the second day of using Green Meadow Way, I discovered that I was in denial about my bowel functioning. I now have two to three easy, comfortable, and healthy bowel movements a day. The same is true for my children, ages 8, 13, and 15, all of which admitted to having significantly improved bowel function when asked. On a Google keyword search, the words constipation, stool softener, and laxative combined are searched up to 3 million times per month. Constipation is a silent epidemic in America, and most people are either in denial or do not want to admit to it. Over the years, Green Meadow Way has helped several other people have their bowels move again in an optimal manner. For the feeling of a clean intestinal tract and flat abdomen, see if Green Meadow Way can help you. Call 888-988-3325 that's 888-988-3325 or visit bestwayprotein.net that's bestwayprotein.net USA Radio News more snow expected in western New York overnight as a travel ban is lifted in some parts of Buffalo. The southern part of the city is not one of those areas. Mayor Byron Brown says there's so much snow there, they have to just haul it out. Former President Trump called the Justice Department special counsel overseeing investigations into classified documents recovered from his Mar-a-Lago estate, quote, super radical left. Jack Smith, a veteran federal prosecutor, was chief prosecutor for a special court in The Hague. Serano CEO Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to more than 11 years in prison for defrauding investors of her blood testing equipment company. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has pledged more military aid to help Ukraine in its fight against Russia. He has also pledged some training and humanitarian support. You are listening to USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Americans have the most colorful language in the world, and that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways, new ways, efficient ways, and better ways. Americans have freedom of speech. 
The pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today. Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? Please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm Vincent Finelli. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Think about it now. UFO documentary filmmaker shot by a UFO eyewitness. I'd rather not think about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I realize, but did you really start to sweat when you had that encounter with this guy? You know, I'd probably be in Brazil right now if I didn't have a family and an eight-year-old son. Uh, We were so close to so many additional things coming forward, but the situation got heated. We got our lives threatened by Eric Lopes, who's a military police officer. We started getting, according to the witnesses that we either had just met with or that we were about to meet with, phone calls from as a military base, checking in on these witnesses. How you doing? You still living at this address? How's the family? Oh, have you? There's an American uh, film crew there, documentary film crew. Have they reached out to you? Have they? Have they? Have you spoken to them? How's the family? That kind of thing. Very creepy. Any um, evidence that you were being followed during the course of this saw, excursion? Never saw. I never saw anything, but I felt it. We all felt it. In fact, we went to a FedEx office took a hard drive with all the material that we got, including the Eric Lopes testimony, including military X testimony. And we put it on a plane, a FedEx plane and hightailed it out to the United States because I was fearful that we were going to get to the airport, try to leave the country and have all, all of our equipment confiscated. It was spooky. It was spooky. It was a spooky feeling. You know, you can, you don't see that you're being watched, but you can kind of feel it. That's what it felt like. Well, well-trained police officers know how to do that without the potential suspect or target of their investigation sees it. You only see obvious efforts at following somebody on TV shows because someone will run away and, of course, they'll run right after them. Or someone will take off in a car and behind them is the police officer. But usually they'll follow somebody for surveillance on the sides, areas they're not seen, so they're not obvious to connect them to something like this. But of course, for TV, you know, for TV, you don't, from across the street, say, I'm a police officer, we need to talk to you, because the person will run away if they have any fear of it. Instead, you come up to them and say that, so the possibility of them running away is lessened. You mean recognizing their presence and just going to confront them directly? 
Yeah, it's going to be done with some subtlety, I think. And if you're being followed, I can see where it could be done, especially when you're in a country where you're not totally familiar with everything around you, where it could be done in a way that surveillance would be invisible to you, not to mention tapping your phones. Yeah, I mean, believe me, we all of these things, you know, we, 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 we talked about in the field. And I kept reminding, you know, we kept being reminded that the witnesses that we talked to were part of the Brazilian military. They were part of that family, and their lives were threatened. So what would they do to an outsider like myself, poking around, trying to expose, which could be one of the biggest secrets of in Brazilian modern history? So I was acutely aware of, of the potential, potential dangers. And, um, yeah, it was just, I, I don't know how else to say it. It was just spooky. It was spooky towards the end. Spooky. You never looked for hidden cameras in your hotel room, though. <laughs> no, we rented an Airbnb, and it was uh, it, it, it was uh, it, it had um, uh, it had security gates and, and things of that nature. We had a lot of a lot of equipment, expensive equipment, with us, and just to kind of sleep better at night, it, it felt a, a little more comforted. Not not that I'm uh, sitting here saying that. Uh, the state of Brazil, you know, particularly where we were, was was ridden with crime. Because uh, I'm not going to say that, but it just gave us an extra layer of security. To me, though, the continued interest in the military with the witnesses—I mean, all these years later—and then calling them up, you know, nice little family you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to them. Types of messages. Yeah, that that's pretty much a confirmation that something unusual did happen. It's pretty spooky. It's pretty spooky. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. Yep, it's pretty spooky. And they said to us, you know, steer clear, don't even try to reach out to us for the next six months, which we did. And we left right after, I'd say a day or two after the, the Eric Lopes incident, we, we, we hightailed it out of there. It was, uh, you know, we were getting, we were getting pretty close. We'd gotten a lot of very, very, I mean, we were extremely fortunate to get Military X, who was so reluctant. In fact, just a week, be- a week prior to us getting him on camera, of course, disguised his voice from the back. He was uh, saying, look, there's no amount of money in the world that's going to get me to come forward. We eventually got a meeting with him. I got to look him in the eyes talk with him and, and we convinced him ultimately to come forward. And he was grateful at the end of it. I mean, you know, could, could you imagine if this had happened, this really did happen and having to harbor that secret, that level of confirmation that you got to experience and not share it with not even your own family and, and, and shouldering that burden for 26 years, that takes a toll. In general, we would assume that Brazil has less freedom than the U S so when a threat arises like that, it has more impact, right? You know, it's funny. It's like, I don't think that there was a single witness that said their lives were threatened. It was the way they talked that, you know, you kind of read between the lines a little bit. Um, the consequences would be very severe. Um, and then they would get calls every year, every two years, just checking in on them. He's still living at this address. How's the family? How you doing? That kind of thing. Just kind of spooky. You know, the whole thing's just spooky. So, um, 
yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I, I really am encouraged. Um, I, I'm seeing witnesses that that had, had gone silent for 18 plus years coming forward uh, for the first time since 20, uh, 2002, 2004. Um, the radar operator coming forward recently. Uh, on camera uh, in a podcast, I think is, is encouraging. Um, we'll see what happens in the United States. We'll see what happens in Brazil. I mean, the, the film's just coming out. It's only been out, like I said, a couple of weeks. And uh, it, it, we're, we're on the verge of securing a broadcast deal that would get this into every household in Brazil. Um, I, I, I'm optimistic that there are going to be a lot more people coming forward in the, in the coming months, in the coming years on this case. And like I said before, the, the advantage is, is that, you know, this is 1996, this is not 1947. So even the military officers at the highest levels are still alive. With the distribution, is there a possibility here of a DVD or a Blu-ray DVD? Don't know. It really depends on what the distributor de- de- deems uh, possible. It's really, I mean, it's kind of a dying breed, but um, they might. I don't know. They might. Some of us still like physical media, although I have to I tell you, I, media. Uh, yeah, go ahead, say it. You were going to say Sorry, something in response. Go ahead. No, I would say I like I like physical media. I think it's great. I mean, it's like you know, you pop it in, press play, and it's there. Doesn't matter what your your Wi-Fi connection is or your internet connection is. It, it works every time, you know. But uh, it's a dying kind of thing, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know uh, if if it's a viable thing these days. I encouraged the phenomenon to have that done. I had a number of requests. Um, ultimately, it didn't pan out. So I don't know. We don't know. We'll have to see. I even got um, an old distributor of mine because I, I had the DVD rights for and the Blu-ray rights for the phenomenon. And I made, struck a deal with a distributor, UFO TV, and he was going to do it. And then he said, you know what? There's just not enough demand and it's too much cost. And he, he opted out. We're going to ask something else about distribution in our next segment. With James and Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. 
Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. James Fox, by the way, will be hanging with us for after the Paracast, our uncensored premium show. Go to the Paracast.plus for more information on getting that and a version of this show free of network ads. James Fox is director of several UFO documentaries, the latest being Moments of Contact about the 1996 events in Virginia, Brazil. So fascinating. Now, the incident where we have this guy Lopes who threatened to shoot you, are there more details we'd like to know about? Yes. You know, it's funny because this gentleman, the reported driver, is the only living witness to the second capture. He had been in hiding for 26 years. Not even the family of the deceased officer, who's his friend, could get a statement out of him. 
Nobody could find him. When I met with the current mayor of Virginia, Mayor Verge, he went on camera and he, he revealed the fact that he felt that this case really did happen, that he knew a number of the of the witnesses, that he heard all these different rumors from credible witnesses. He said, look, if there's anything I can do for you while you're here, please just let me know. And I said, well, yeah, how about finding Eric Lopes? So he said, let me let me dig into that. A couple days later, he got back to us and he said, I, I found him. And he got a couple of his associates, one of which was, I think, the former police sergeant. It was either in Virginia or near Virginia. And him and his son, who's now a, uh, he was a politician, is now a, a lawyer in the town of Virginia, Skyhomolo. And they met us in the town square and they agreed to escort us directly to Eric Lopes' house. Probably, I don't know, maybe two minutes before we were heading out there, maybe less. The arrangement was he was going to drive us out to the location and then turn it over to us. Basically, just here's his house. Good luck. And at the last minute, I thought, you know, what, what about you actually walking to the door with us, walking up to the house with us? And honestly, I really feel like that could have potentially avoided gunfire because had it was just me and my and my camera crew and production showing up at this guy's house on his property, that could have ended badly for us. But it was a well-known politician, someone that Eric Lopes knew from childhood, who had his 8-year-old son or 10-year-old son with him. It's all on camera. And I really feel that that potentially we avoided... Uh, we could have been a really bad situation. We did reach out after this encounter with Eric Lopes, where he threatened to shoot us three times. We reached out to his wife through the help of the deceased military officer's sister, Marta. Marta's on camera in the movie. Marta's sister is married to Eric Lopes. She has not been able to get a statement out of him in 26 years. With her help, we contacted her sister, and we said, what will it take for Eric Lopes to willingly come forward and give a statement about this case? And her response was, bring my brother back to life, and then he'll talk with you. Would you define that further because of the way he secluded himself? Well, obviously, we're not going to bring the deceased military officer back to life, so that's just not going to happen. In other words, what she was telling us is, Eric Lopes is never going to come forward. No amount of money will ever get him to make a statement. And you have to ask yourself, if it didn't happen, if he didn't have any involvement, why wouldn't he have just come out of the house and said, you know, this is a huge misunderstanding. I didn't have any involvement in this case. I have nothing to share about this case. I didn't witness anything regarding this case. Thank you, and please don't bother me anymore. But instead... What he said when we arrived, before we asked any questions, all we said is, we're looking for Eric Lopes. He said, if you're here to ask questions about the ET, he'll never talk. We didn't mention ET. We didn't ask about the incident. We just asked about Eric Lopes. And then he went on to threaten everybody. Why would he have not just simply come outside and spoken with us and said, look, this is fantasy, this is just rumors. There's nothing to it. I've got nothing to say because I saw nothing. I didn't participate with anything, but he didn't do that. Okay, well, why do you think that 
that he didn't want to talk, that he that he has never talked. Well, possibly because he too was threatened and he did have a direct involvement and he did drive the live being or creature to Regina's Hospital that night, January 20th, 1996. I mean, I don't see any other plausible explanation, quite honestly. I mean, I can't prove it, but it seems pretty, uh, you know, we could probably sway a jury on it based on our interaction with him and the family and everybody else. Well, it makes you wonder also if it's also not a situation, it's also a situation where he was involved in something that was so far outside of his normal life experience that he's never been able to wrap his head around it. And it's that, that sore spot in his brain that's always there. You know, one of the things in the movie... Um, and Gene, I'm glad you got to see this, but when I was standing across from Eric Lopes, who was up on the second floor, leaning out of the windowsill, I saw a face, and I didn't know it was him. I didn't know, honestly, because initially he did. He said it was he was Eric Lopes' friend. He had, ultimately, he admitted that he was Eric Lopes. I saw a face that I'd never seen before. I saw a man who looked like he had been, he was profoundly troubled, that he had been guarding this deep, dark secret for 26 years and the toll that it had taken on him. I just had never seen a face, had never seen eyes quite like it. And I was fascinated. I stood there looking into this man's eyes and thinking to myself, my God, I, I've never seen a face like this before. It was something that didn't translate in the scene. Um, you know, Dave, the DP, wasn't expecting to have to film by the distance. He didn't have the right lens. The entire time that Eric Lopes was leaning out the window looking at us, he was waving one finger, his, point, his pointed finger, index finger, back and forth like, no, no, no. You guys are going to get in trouble. No. Bullets are going to start flying. No. He was waving his finger back and forth. But Dave said he was super nervous and he couldn't quite get a, a zoom on him. And when he did, if the camera was focusing on something else, his face remained, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, slightly out of focus and, and slightly in the dark. But I could see his face perfectly. From right, I was right across from him outside. And that was left an indelible mark in, in my head. Hey, that's a good place to end this segment of the regular show, The Paracast, and we'll have you back on After the Paracast because i got more questions. If people want to know more about your work and Moment of Contact, where do they find you? Well, Moment of Contact is on iTunes and Vimeo, and I ask your audience if they wouldn't mind. It's extremely helpful for me if they could take a moment and, and rate the film on iTunes or Vimeo. If they want to rent the film, I would suggest doing it at the cheapest place, which would be Amazon. If they want to purchase the film, I would do it from iTunes or Vimeo because for the same price, you get two, about two hours of bonus material. It's available on most of the transactional downloads, like uh, like I said, uh, I think it's Vudu, Hulu, Vimeo, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Fandango, all these uh, transactional download places. You can find us on Twitter. If you look for the Paracast, although with Twitter undergoing all this craziness. 
Maybe somebody is going to verify themselves and they will be my doppelganger. I don't know. You can also go to the PowerCast.shop and get branded merchandise, especially for PowerCast listeners. Also, you want to check out the PowerCast Plus at the PowerCast.plus, where we offer the After the PowerCast podcast, always uncensored, always unexpected content there, and James will be back for it. And we also offer this show free of the network ads, and you get all that for low subscription rate. And get this, if you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, you get a 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions to Paracast.plus. That's P-L-U-S, the Paracast.plus. James Fox, old friend, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>